We'll be looking at Mark 6 through 8. And we have this verse from Mark 6, verse 52. For they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. That verse grips me as I identify with the disciples. They had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. Two chapters later in, verse, in chapter 8 of Mark, it says Jesus was talking to these very disciples, and he said, having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? This is alarming to me, and I've been thinking about this for a while. What was going on? What was happening? Why did the disciples and God's people, the Jews, have such a hard time getting what Jesus had for them? And it refers to hardness of heart. I tend to think Jesus was right there. He was physically present. What more could you ask for? He was physically present. They saw his life. They watched him love people. They heard him teach. They heard the the profoundness coming out of his mouth. They heard the wisdom. They were in his presence. They saw his miracles. They saw the signs that he did. They saw the people healed. They saw people delivered from demons. And if they ever would have had anything that they don't, didn't understand, they could just ask him. And he would say it in their language, in human words. And, and, and it just it shocks me, like, why did they still miss so much of what he had for them? He'd say something and it would just, just go over their heads. In one ear and out the other. However you want to say that. The Pharisees, they knew he was something good. They knew he was from God. But they didn't give themselves to it. It cost them too much. The disciples, they believed he was the Messiah. He was the Son of God. They believed that. But 
somehow they missed so much of the heart of what he had to say and what he was representing. And one thing that's so alarming to me is that I know I'm just as human as the Pharisees and as the disciples. And so, what am I missing? What is God telling me that just doesn't sink in? Just doesn't settle on my understanding? Just doesn't quite reach my heart or change my heart? What am I missing? Why am I blind to what God has for me? Why don't my ears hear? Why is my heart hard that I can't understand? Now I look at the disciples and I think, well... This was before the Holy Spirit was poured out on all men. So the Holy Spirit wasn't there as their teacher. But Jesus was. The Holy Spirit has been poured out on us. We don't have the physical presence, but we have the Holy Spirit to interpret it to us. And we have the record of the physical presence. We have the advantage of looking back on all that Jesus did among his people and with his disciples. So we have more going for us, really, except not his physical presence. I have to conclude that it doesn't matter if if Jesus would walk in here physically and do a bunch of signs and miracles. I have to conclude that that wouldn't help us necessarily. Because it didn't help them. Well, it did, but it was still limited. There's still something to do with me, something to do with you, something to do with our hearts. So whether Jesus chooses to do some miracle himself or through other people, or whether we're surrounded by his great love in people all around us, there's still personal choices that we need to make. There's still this principle that hardness of heart keeps us from understanding, from truly getting what he has for us. Please turn in your Bibles to Mark 8. Mark 8, we'll be reading verses 13 through 26. Mark 8:13 And he left them and getting into the boat again departed to the other side Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat Then he charged them saying Take heed beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod And they reasoned among themselves saying 
it is because we have no bread. Poor planning. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said to him, 12. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. So he said to them, how is it you do not understand? Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. I find it fascinating that this story about the blind man is after this uh, kind of rebuke from Jesus. Don't you remember? Don't you understand? I'm not talking about physical bread. I'm talking about the, the teaching of the Pharisees. And then he, he has this blind man. And uh, I think there's a connection. The hardness of heart, the blindness of eyes, the spiritual blindness. I think there's a connection. Now, there's some interesting things here, um, and we won't go into that because it doesn't really pertain to what uh, the point I want to make, but why did he spit on his eyes? And why didn't he just heal him all right away, the first step? Why was this a two-step healing process? What was about that? Things we don't understand. But I still come back to this question, why am I blind? Why can I not see? Why do I not understand what God is telling me? Why is my heart hard? I think unbelief is the problem with us. I think we really don't believe completely. Oh, yes, we believe, but absolute belief, explicit belief, completely freeing belief. I think the problem with hardness of heart is unbelief. Unbelief, reasons we can't believe. I think unbelief hardens our heart. Do you really believe Jesus is who he is, says he is? Do you really believe Jesus can feed 5,000 with five loaves of bread? Do you really believe Jesus can feed 5,000 with your 
five loaves of bread. Oh, yes, he could them, but my five loaves probably wouldn't cut it. <laughs> That's how we tend to be. We don't really believe him. Now, there's two things that come to mind that I believe hinders us from seeing what Jesus is doing. Jesus fed these 5,000 people, but the fact that, this, that he did this just kind of whoosh over their head. What made it do that? I think we are just like them in many ways, and two things come to mind. One is, we are so caught up in trying to establish our own righteousness. We can't really just let go and believe that we are clean through the words that he has spoken. Yes, but this. Yes, but I got to confess right. Yes, but what do other people think? And all these things that we go to, we, we, have our, everybody, we all have our own ways of doing this. The Pharisees had their way of doing it. Elder brothers have their own way of doing it. Younger brothers have their own way of doing it. I'm thinking now of the, the uh, parable of the prodigal son. I don't know which you tend to be, the elder brother or the younger brother. But we have our own ways of going about to establish our, our own righteousness. We try so hard to not need Christ's righteousness. We tried so hard to not need his forgiveness. Going, being caught up with this thing of looking good and establishing our own righteousness that we miss what Jesus says and what Jesus does. We don't hear it with our ears. We don't see it with our eyes. We don't understand with our hearts because we're caught up in our way of doing it. Trusting Christ for salvation softens our heart, opens us to understanding. The other thing that we get caught up in is making life good. Life here on earth, good. We get caught up with that. And even if it isn't good, we just at least want the assurance that life here on earth is going to be okay. And so we're so busy worrying about our lives, worrying about tomorrow, worrying about this, worrying about that. We're so bent on making life here on earth. And that's why the Pharisees and the disciples, that's the, one of the big reasons they missed the kingdom of God in the ways that they missed it, because they were looking at an earthly kingdom. We are just like them. We are concerned about our earthly kingdom whether it's my family or whether it's my business or whether it's my house or whether it's my future. It's my earthly kingdom. And we're so caught up with that that we miss the truth. He's, he's not about that. He's about preparing us and bringing us into his heavenly kingdom. And so we miss it. There's this, it hardens our heart to understanding what he wants us to understand. What God really wants is faith. Absolute faith. Just faith. Just taking him at his word and going with it. And applying it to our own hearts. Applying it to our own 
lives. I'd like to take you to Hebrews 3, and I have it up here so we can all look at it together. Hebrews 3, verse 7, and this is where I'm getting this, this hardness of heart and unbelief connection. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness, speaking of the Israelites and their time in the, in the desert, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works. Forty years. They saw it, but they didn't see it. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And I just want to stop here and, and, and take us to the spiritual reference there. All of us have been brought out of Egypt. Egypt is a type of, of the world, of sin, of Satan. Pharaoh's a type of Satan. All of us have been delivered from Egypt who have chosen to, to believe Jesus, we've chosen to follow, and they, have been, they had been brought out of Egypt. But now, with whom was he angry 40, were, 40 years? Was it not all those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who did not obey. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now look at that. Verse 18 says the, the ones who couldn't enter in were those who did not obey. Verse 19 says the ones who could not enter in were those who did not believe. It's one and the same. God says, believe me. And that's the greatest sin we commit is not believing him. It, there's other things we need to obey in as well. But he says, believe me. Believe me. So I'm just summarizing it with these two verses or parts of these two verses from this portion. Do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. Beware, brethren, lest any of you, lest in any of you, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Do not harden your hearts. Don't let an evil heart be in you of unbelief. God calls unbelief evil. So our cry needs to be, God, soften my heart. I want to believe. I want to be able to believe. Now, does God soften our heart? Here it says, harden not your hearts. So that's up to us. When God tells us to do something, he's not going to do it. Here he's telling us, don't harden your heart. So that tells me that somehow as I go through life, there are things that happen and I choose, if I'm not careful, I choose to harden my heart. Now if he asks me to not harden my heart, is he asking me to soften my own heart? Or is that something he has to do? 
And I'm just like, oh, I can't, can't help it. I've got a hard heart. I just got to sit around and wait till God softens it somehow. I don't know for sure. I think God has to soften our hearts. But I think we need to cooperate with him in softening our hearts. If we're the ones that can have the capability of hardening our hearts, and he tells us, don't do that, then surely he's given us some ability in our choices to do things and cooperate with him in softening our hearts. I think, I think it, he wants to do it with us. I think we work together on it. So how do we soften our hearts? I think we just need to cry out, not just, but I think we start by crying out to God, God, I want a soft heart. I need a soft heart so that I can believe, so I can receive everything you have for me, so it's not missed, so it just doesn't go whoosh over my head. Soften our hearts. Do we ask God to do it? Do we do it ourselves? Here's some things that, that we can do that God tells us. He says, humble yourselves. And he gives us opportunity every day to humble ourselves. That's a sermon in itself. How do you humble yourself? He tells us. It's not just sitting around and all of a sudden we wake up and he's made us humble. No, the way to become humble is for, to humble ourselves. He commands us to humble ourselves. Humility versus pride. The other thing is vulnerability versus fight. We like to fight for what's right. We like to fight for our life. In fact, that's the, what, that one of those things that we're so caught up in is trying to make life come out right for ourselves. And we're striving and we're fighting. Instead of just, just give yourself to what, what comes. Be vulnerable. Trust God in it. That's a way to soften your heart. Confession and repentance, of course, softens our heart. Surrender and submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, that softens our hearts. If we say, as Jesus told us to, we, we, we choose to let go of our life and take up our cross and follow Jesus, that is a, that's a change of heart, really. The thing I'd like to focus on now is believing what he is doing. Actually taking into our hearts what, what Jesus is doing. And this is what I believe the disciples were missing. They were following him around all over the place, seeing what he was doing, but they didn't really take it into their heart somehow. They didn't personalize it. They didn't take it into their heart. And I feel like this could soften our hearts if we can take into our hearts what Jesus is doing. Now let's just look, turn in your Bibles to, to Matthew or to Mark 6, there where we were. And let's just quickly look at what Jesus was actually doing. That if the disciples would have taken this into their heart, it would have had to soften their hearts. Somehow they weren't really taking it into their hearts. So uh, Mark 6, verse 1, uh, verse 1 through 6, it talks about Jesus being rejected at Nazareth. Verse 2 says uh, that the people, the people didn't receive him. He couldn't do, uh, verse 2 doesn't say that, but here it says that he couldn't do mighty works there because 
they didn't believe him. He said, there's no uh, prophet isn't accepted in his own country. But even though, verse 2, they said, and what wisdom is this which is given to him? They saw the wisdom of Jesus and yet rejected it. They didn't take it into their hearts. Verse 6 says, and he marveled because of their unbelief. If the disciples saw that, what should they learn from that? And then in verse 7, he sends out the twelve. Verse 12 and 13, so they went out and preached the people, preached that people should repent. And they cast out demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So the disciples, Jesus sent the disciples out and they were able to preach repentance. And they were able to heal people and cast out demons. That should soften their hearts. I am able to do this? Jesus has given me power that should humble them. What has God given you power to do? What have you been doing? Are you taking that into your heart? All the ways that you are representing Jesus to people. Take that into your heart and let it soften your heart. Then in verse 14 through 29, we have the story of John the Baptist beheaded. John the Baptist was uh, rebuking uh, Herod and, and his wife for being adulterers. And Herod's wife didn't like him, so she had him beheaded. Now, here's another thing that this is the kind of thing that happens. How do we, what do we do with that? Do we harden our hearts when injustices happen like that? Or we do, do we allow it to soften our hearts? Take what really happened and let it soften our hearts. And then we have the feeding of the 5,000. All right, so this feeding of the 5,000, this is so fascinating. Um, and there was probably more because there was only 5,000 men. So there could have been 20,000 people there that Jesus fed with these five loaves and two fishes. And, and I just wonder what these numbers represent. I think the 5,000 was in the, in the Jewish territory, and the 4,000 was in the Gentile territory. There's, there's something to be learned about that. And they took up from the 5,000 12 baskets, representing 12 tribes of Israel or 12 disciples. Fascinating. And, and just from, from a few that so many were fed, the, the 4,000 in the Gentiles, they took up seven, seven loaves. Seven is the number of completion. But either way, it's representing all people. God can meet everybody's need in the whole wide world. We need to take that into our hearts. Whether you're a Jew, whether you're a Gentile, whether you're rich or poor, it doesn't matter. It includes everybody. He can take care of you. He can take care of you. He can. And he will. If you trust him. He is able. We don't have to go about trying to establish our own righteousness. 
We don't have to go about worrying about our own little kingdoms. He can take care of you. Take it into your heart. If he can feed 20,000 with five loaves, he can do amazing things with your five loaves and your two fish. Let it soften your heart. Let it soften your heart. And then we go to verse 45. Where the disciples were out on the water. And the wind came up. And they were straining at rowing. For the wind was against them. The wind was against them. So he comes to them walking on the water. Scared the snot out of them. Walking on the water. But he said, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat and the wind ceased. And they were so amazed. Beyond measure. And marveled. And Jesus kind of rebuked them for being so amazed at his greatness and what he'd done in calming the wind. Because he says, for they had not understood, verse 52, they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. Here's Here's an example. If they would have taken his feeding of the 5,000 into their heart, they would not have been so freaked out when they saw him walking on the water and not quite as just blown away when he calmed the stiff, when he calmed the wind. But their heart was hardened. I forgot to mention this earlier, but the disciples, one thing, you know, he would tell them stuff and it would just go over their head. And the, the, the big thing that I just shake my head at is we have at least three times recorded that he told the disciples very clearly, I am going to be killed, and three days later, I will rise from the dead. Three times, he said, I am going to be killed. Three days later, I will rise from the dead. I'm going to be killed. Three days later, I will rise from the dead. But when he was killed, they were devastated. They completely missed that he said, Three days later, I will rise from the dead. I think of poor Judas. If he had just waited three days. But they didn't hear it. That alarms me. They didn't hear it. What am I not hearing? What am I not hearing? All right. Verse 53. They crossed over and came to the land of Gennesaret. And there he healed many people. Many people were made well. Then we have chapter 7. Oh, by the way, just watching many people be made well. That should soften hearts. That should soften their hearts. Then we have chapter 7 where he, he uh, rebukes, uh, or the Pharisees found fault. And verse 6 says, why? He says, this people honors me with their lips, 
but their heart, again, is heart troubled. Their heart is far from me. There's something wrong with their heart. That discourse goes through verse 23. Then we have in verse 24 this Gentile woman who, right in the middle of these chapters that we're covering today, this Gentile woman showed explicit faith. She came to Jesus and she kept asking. I love this story. She kept asking. She had faith. Jesus was her answer, and she was not going to let him go until he did for her what she needed for her daughter. As the disciples watched that, another gospel says they told Jesus to send her away. She's making a pest out of her. Send her away. And Jesus kind of played with her faith, you know, called her a little dog and, and said, I'm just for the, came for the, uh, the house of Israel. And, uh, and she just, she wouldn't stop. She said, well, little dogs could eat crumbs from the master's table. I'm not letting you go. And that should have softened the disciples' heart. They were right there watching it. This is what Jesus wanted. Explicit faith. Complete faith. All right, then verse 31. Um, where Jesus, 31 through 37, he healed a deaf and mute person. Brought complete healing. That should have softened their hearts. And then chapter 8, verse 1 through 10, he uh, fed the 4,000. That should have softened their hearts. They should have let it into their hearts. And then verse 11 and 12, the Pharisees seek a sign. He was just working one sign after the other, and the Pharisees come and, hey, could you show us a sign that you really are who you say you are? How ridiculous, how ridiculous we are sometimes. And then he talked to the disciples in verse 13 through 21. We read that, how that uh, don't be like the Pharisees. Don't have hard hearts. And uh, verse 19 and 20, don't you remember? Don't you remember what I am able to do? Did you not let this into your heart? and really internalize it and make it personal. And then we have verse 22 through 26 where he healed the blind man in two steps. Partial seeing and then complete seeing. Now let's skip down to verse 34. He follows up all of these happenings with verse 34. When he had called people to himself, with his disciples also he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Letting go of our life is what softens our heart. God wants faith. He wants us to let go. He wants us to see what he is doing and to take it into our heart, what he is doing. Unbelief, unbelief that we're caught up in trying to establish our own righteousness or making life come out right here on earth hinders faith. 
hinders faith. So, what he wants is faith. Pure faith. Taking into our hearts what God is doing. And often, what he's doing right in front of our eyes. He's saving me. He has saved me, and he is saving me. It's a, sometimes it's a two-step process. He's saving those around me. He's taking care of me. There's no need to worry. He's saving me. I don't need to establish my own righteousness. He's taking care of me. I don't need to set up and, and be concerned about my own kingdom. So just some things to, to, to be aware of what God is doing right in front of your eyes and taking it into your heart and letting it soften you. Just look at the person beside you and watch them show God's love on a daily basis. Take that into your heart. And let it soften your heart. Listen to your brother when he wants to exhort you. Take it into your heart. Let it soften your heart. Read stories about God's providence in the past. And really take it in. Whether it's in scripture or in the history since scripture. Learn from others' mistakes. Take it into your heart. Don't think, well, I'm an exception. It's because he messed up here. No, learn from their mistakes. Take it into your heart. Let it soften your heart. Look at nature. Springtime, what God is doing. Take that into your heart and let it soften your heart. Hold a baby. See what God is doing and let it soften your heart. Attend more funerals. See what God is doing and let it soften your heart. Take into your heart what God is doing and let it soften your heart and gradually our eyes will be opened. <laughs>